Welcome to the Leader's Life Podcast, where we implement that old school grind with that new school mind. What is up, fam? I am your host, Amar. And before we get started, please make sure you hit on the subscribe button so you never, ever miss out and hook your boy up with a five-star review because that helps people find this podcast organically. With that being said, the expert series, I actually have a really good friend of mine. His name is Jeff Becker. He's a highly sought, highly sought after mental performance coach and keynote speaker who works with athletes, teams, and organizations on improving performance through impacting their mindset, habits, and routines. He's worked with all levels of athletes and teams from middle school through college and also MBA and PGA golf professionals. Yeah, he's a real deal, guys. He works with them on building better mindsets, developing better leaders, and increasing stronger cultures in locker rooms and executive boardrooms across the country. With that being said, my brother, my friend, Jeff Becker, welcome to the Leaders Life Podcast, my man. I'm excited to talk to your listeners. I don't know if I'm excited to talk to you, but I love oh, you. Oh, you are ecstatic to talk to me. Let's be honest. So let's just jump right in. I'm going to just jump right into it. Jeff Becker is a good buddy of mine. We were part of the Rob Dial Mentor Program where him and I just, you know, just clicked day and we give each other hell all the time. And that's what I love about it. But the cool thing about Jeff is that he's like a six foot seven, you know, gentle giant, like the biggest heart in the world. And he has some amazing experience with, you know, he played college ball and now he is helping the youth as well as the professionals. And I love that. So I just want to jump into this, Jeff. And first off, let everybody know kind of what you do besides what I explained, because I know you're a big part of the Chris Paul Foundation as well, where you help the youth, where I was, you know, fortunate enough to witness it when you were here in North Carolina, what you do, and it was so powerful. So kind of let the listeners know what, what yeah. you do and what you do. One again, thank you. That's always awesome to share time with you since we don't get a lot. Basketball is, is revolved my life, guys. You know, I've been around the the, the basketball game my entire life, uh, the high school, the college level. I Right after college, I coached the Division One level for a little bit, so I got to see that world. And then I went to the high school and then moved out here to Phoenix to start my own club travel team. <clears throat> and for all you parents and people that have been a part of the club world, you know the, the messiness of it. And I had roughly 60, 70 teams around the country. We were one of the largest organizations in the, in the country, responsible by Under Armour. I have now few, you know, current NBA players that were part of our program. I had it all. And I left it about four years ago, because I hated the mess. I hated the entitlement. I hated the ego. I hated everything about what we all see and hear about youth sports. And I started the mental performance world because I loved what I thought is I loved basketball. What I realized was I loved utilizing basketball as a tool for life and impacting and seeing individuals grow. And I found this mental performance niche. I've been working with the Chris Paul, the CP3 camps, now for, I've been the lead coach for about eight years. I think this last year we had over 2000 campers on our five camps. So for me, it's a blessing that I get to, I get to have the mic. I get to stand up and I get to impact and reroute the future. Not only make them make sure they have fun still, because they're still at that age of, you know, 12 to 15 year olds, but more importantly, hold them to a standard and understand that they still have to work. They still need to love the sport and also impact parents and teach them the realness of what's about to, that are about to embark on. So basketball has been my tool and I want to continue to make that tool to impact not only myself, but uh, parents, teachers, coaches, players, all the above. Yeah. Well, I can, I can speak firsthand as being a dad of four. I've reached out to Jeff multiple times because 
unfortunately, what he just shared is accurate. Sometimes youth sports are not what the kids envision and not what the parents envision. And so like, I just want to jump right into this question, ask you this question, because I get it a lot as a dad is that, you know, I have, I have, you know, my eight-year-old, almost nine-year-old son who loves soccer, who loves baseball, loves football, loves to play sports. Right. And, you know, I reached out to you about this, but it seems as if that the parents on the sidelines get more involved with the game than the actual kids. And then the, I see this firsthand. The kids are focused on their parents than they are on the games. It's as if they're trying to get their parents' approval versus focusing on the game because of what goes out there. So I know you, I've, I've seen you deal with this multiple times and you speak on this a lot. So can you kind of elaborate and kind of that, that child or that parent who kinds to cross the line when there's a coach, what is your advice to them? Sure. Well, first of all, understand, I, th I think that parents are uneducated. And, and I don't mean that in a mean way. I think we just we just don't know any better. And we are, we're so passionate. We care so much. Not only do we invest so much time with driving and being there and the sacrifice, but all financially. You know, so I, I totally get it if we don't understand and comprehend because we're, we're just we want it so bad, number one. But number two is we also understand it's not about you, one. But I think more so than not, it's not that they're bad parents, and it's not that they they want their their kid to be an all American and be a Division One player, even though they're only nine years old. I think what they need to understand is put yourself in a nine year old's mind. And so what I mean by that is, so what I always ask questions is to parents is number one is what do you want out of your child's sport experience? Yes. And typically, so so number one is okay. Well, I want my son to grow. I want him to fight through adversity. I want to you know learn how to communicate and be a leader and all these things. It's not about stats. It's not about winning all these things. That's number one. And then number two, I always ask the correlating with that is what is your role within that experience? And typically, they're like, okay, I get it. Like my role is to well, let me ask you that. What is your role on the sidelines? You see, that's a great question. I'm so glad you asked me because as a role, I figure I got to be my son's biggest cheerleader. But there's times where I'm like, oh, did the coach see that? Because I'm watching my kid play, but I'm not really paying attention. So I share this with you. I crossed the line and I got into an argument with a referee because the referee was very disrespectful towards the parents and I felt the need to step in. Afterwards, I realized, you know, there was definitely a better way to approach that. But for me, as a parent, I feel as a protector first, mm. that is where I feel that and fairness. It's like, you know, because my son has like soccer is a great example. My son is amazing at soccer and they gave him the ball at all times because of that. But the kids who were playing didn't, it's nine years old. They were just giving the ball to him and having him score and putting the pressure on him and nobody else. So to answer your question, for me, I felt like I had to almost let my son know that the pressure should not be on you. It should not be on you at nine years old. And when he doesn't score, he's the only one doing it. They're like, come on, man. It's just a very ugly. So I felt as a, I, I felt as a dad, I had to be a protector. That's how I felt. So here, here's a great quote. And this isn't just for parents. This is, I mean, this oh, by podcast. the way, Jeff is the king of quotes and right. sayings. And so just grab a pen and paper and write them down because I love them all. Guys, I'm not that smart, so I have to, I have to live by quote. Um, but this is the thing. This, this isn't just about – this podcast isn't just for parents. Like, this also is incorporated for leaders as well, and I, and I, and I strongly believe that. Is, this is a great quote is that I say this, leaders, but parents, parenting is caught more than it's taught. 
It's caught more than it's taught. And so understand what your son sees or your daughter sees from the sidelines, your actions, your behaviors. If you don't like something, you to stand up and argue with a ref or right after a game where everyone's emotional and, and emotions are high, are you going to argue with a coach about playing time or wins or strategies or something, especially at eight or nine years old? Understand your kid is not going to remember that. It's not going to remember the words, especially your. And so here's the thing, guys, it's so important. Leadership in parenting is caught more than it's taught. They see your body language. They see your behaviors. They see the tonality, not the words that you're saying. So understand we have to humble ourselves and be like, it's not, again, it goes back to what do you want your child to get out of the sport experience? It's not about you. It's not about wins and losses. We have to be so grounded with what is that route and what is where does that GPS you want to, to set? And then you have to be the navigator to get them to that GPS, to that destination. I love that, man. Caught, not taught. Oh my God. Like that is, that. that's me. I mean, that's, that's a great, and a lot of parents, that's why, you know, I am as guilty as anybody else. This is why I'm so excited because I'm, I'm learning as well at, you know, about this because I got young kids and I'll be honest with you. The best thing my parents ever did for me was put me in sports. And for me, what I learned in team sports, just being a part of sports is the discipline, the teamwork and the patience. And I, you know, and I feel that's where you and I, and then being in the community where we like, like to rah, rah, share and do the things it's because it started at that young age. And I truly do feel this and please, please, please correct me if I'm wrong, but a bad coach can affect a child in a negative way. And I, there was a coach, I don't, I don't want to bring it up because I know Parents listen to this, but there was a coach specifically with one of my kids that was very, very, very abrasive. That was the way he coached. It was like, oh, what? You don't want to run? Oh, what is it? Is that why you don't want to play? Like what? It wasn't. He was he was more pick. He was more kicking them down versus picking them up. Mm -hmm. And what is your advice to a parent who notices that there's there's a there's a bad coach They're They're being coached by somebody that their kid, you know, I was in there to pick up my morale. I remember my very first coach named John and dude, like pick me up, struck out, pick me up in baseball, hit a home run, fucking hug me and whatever, struck out somebody. I, I still remember that feeling. But when I talked to one of my kids about their coach, they don't even want to play that sport because they associate that sport with that coach. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so really good. So one, you can associate coach or with boss. It's the same thing is if you really enjoy your life or your job, but your boss or your supervisor sucks, you're going to want to quit. But let's go back to the, the you side. All right, I'm going to I'm going to throw out some stats for you guys. Is 75% of youth will stop playing sports, will quit by the age of 13. 75% will never pick up another belt, another ball. So that's number one. We have to ask ourselves, what is, why is that? Here's, a, here's my favorite quote. There was a research study that asked every youth or, or, or sport at youth student athlete, would you rather have your parent in the stands or not watching at all? Would you rather have your, your parent sitting and supporting and watching or not in the environment at all? 31% of student athletes said they would rather have their parent not be there at all. So almost one in every three student athletes we watch would rather have you in the car, go do what you need to do, not even be there because your behaviors are so bad. And here's the last thing. The number one reason why youth play sports, I'm sorry, the number one reason why youth quit 
So those 75%, the number one reason why they quit is it's no longer fun. That's it. So here's the thing is we have to ask ourselves is if 75% quit and then the number one reason why they quit is they're no longer fun, we have to ask ourselves, why isn't it fun anymore? Is it the actions, the behaviors, like they're not getting what they want out of it? When you say fun quickly, right? What do you mean by it's not fun and what makes it not fun? Because once again, the cool thing about like, you know, a lot of my listeners are, are friends that have children that play sports as well and or are playing sports. So what do you mean by fun? Because because fun can be interpreted in many different ways. Yeah, so, so good. And, and, I, and I speak to hundreds, if not thousands of parents on this strictly oh, yeah. alone. So let's double click, right? Let's zoom in on what does fun mean? There was another research study done <laughs> so of what does quote unquote have fun mean? And so parents probably immediately think to win, okay? Top 10-ish answers. Some of the other answers were fight through adversity, lifelong friends, mentor. Coaches were, were definitely like learning how to be a great leader, learning from mentors, looking up to individuals, the environment, the experiences. Where did to win stack up in this answer, okay? To win. Again, they studied why is to have fun, the, the question. To win was not top 10. To win was not a top 20 answer. To win was not a top 30 answer. To win was not a top 40 answer. To win was the 48th reason why it was fun for a child to play sports. And so I have to ask parents, what are your behaviors aligned with? Is that the 48th reason why you show up to your game to support your son or daughter? Wow. Amara just saw your mind just blow up. Dude, yeah. That, I mean, that's why, that's why I fucking love you, man. I mean, that is, that is so important because once again, like, I mean, I'm being very, very candid. Like I reach out to Jeff anytime I'm feeling like this block and he's coached thousands of people. So I'm just going to, I'm plugging Jeff right up. We'll have all his info like later on the show notes and stuff. But like, this is so powerful because I've seen parents close to me very close to me and my kids pull them out because of what you just said, mm-hmm. what you just said. They don't even care about the fun. And I lived in New York city my whole life. Now I live in North Carolina. It's a different breed over here with sports. I mean, different, complete, different. It's like, you know, you're, you're training your kids at three and four years old, like to, to be the next, you know, LeBron James in basketball or, you know, whatever, like mm-hmm. Eli Manning of football, uh, So the, you know, giant fan over here, but with, what I love what you just said right now, it's the 48th. So that means what I just said, the community, the discipline, being a part of a culture, that's got to be top 10. Mm-hmm. 100%. 100%. It is. So the people right now who are saying this shouldn't be fun, it's discipline, it's hard work, you got to do this, you got to do that. Like, what's your advice to them if it's the 48th? Okay, so, so here, okay, let's, let's dive even deeper into this. I love this. If we would take us out of that environment, I would ask you, why do, why do you love watching your son or daughter play? Why do you do it? Okay. But here's the thing is we all know that it's learning and fighting through adversity, problem solving, all this stuff. But here's the thing. Let's, let's again, put ourselves implanted into a teenager's or, or younger's brain. They don't see the solution before we do. So we see the solution. So we immediately go, Amar, do this. From screaming from Amar, do it this way. No, Amar, Amar, backpedal, do it this way. No, pass it over here, do it over there. And then all of a sudden, now there's so much confusion in the child's brain because they don't see that problem. But even though you see the solution, and so you're trying to 
problem solve for them, even though you just said you want them to problem solve and learn through their failures and learn through their mistakes. But here's my question, Mar. Would you ever do that for your son or daughter's homework assignments? You oh, never would. No. You never would do that. So why is it okay for our behaviors as parents to do it on the sidelines? We don't do it at the kitchen table when your son or daughter is trying to problem solve through their math or their algebra or their English or whatever. You won't do it. No. It's the same exact thing, but yet it's okay for us in one thing, but it's not okay for us in the other thing. Wow. <sighs> Again, dude. Yeah. I mean, can mic drop with that. Like, yeah, that is powerful. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And it, it just, I guess it bothers me right now because, you know, you're a new, you're a new dad. I mean, we were just talking offline, his beautiful, beautiful boy, baby boy. And, you know, you now being a dad, a new dad, right? Has your perspective changed? Has your like vision changed now that you're now that you're a dad and you've coached thousands of kids? As I said, I've been fortunate and privileged to see you live in action with the CP3 in Greensboro, North Carolina. So you as a dad right now, have you learned things where you're just like, I'm not going to do, do you already have it built in your head? I'm not going to do this, or I'm going to do that. I'm going to make sure I'm not going to do like, you get what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, has my perspective changed? Probably not. It's only magnified. It's only magnified to realize that I am going to be. I don't know. I still don't know to this day. And I don't, I don't mean this cockily. I do think I'm one of the best trainers and coaches there is in the country for basketball. I will vouch, I will vouch for you there. I know you are. But I don't know if I will ever coach my son publicly because I want him to hear other voices. I want to be a supportive father. I want him to look at me as a father, as a mentor, as a, as a role model, not as a coach. And quite honestly, I guys, and I have been around and I talk to communicate with anywhere from middle school coaches and trainers all the way through NBA, some of the best trainers in the world on a weekly basis. And head coaches too. An ex-head coach too. I know that's a really good friend of yours, you know? So yes, I've, I've met him. I've met so, a few. And some of these guys are fathers. And I'll be honest, they're probably the, the most quiet individuals when they support their son or daughter from the sidelines. They know the most things. They know all the schemes. They know this and that. But they're the most quiet because they understand what it is, how impactful, again, what your behaviors or attitude is like towards that son or daughter. And they hear it all the time. So I would say mine is magnified too. I'm going to, I really believe that I'm, I want to just be the most supportive, impactful, encouraging number one fan of my son. And I'll go back to research. Research shows the, this is the most important thing. This is how I end every CP3 camp for the last eight years. I've been run as the lead coach for the tens of thousands of families that I've talked to. Research shows the number one, that the best five words you should say to your son or daughter after every sporting experience, the best five words research shows is I love watching you play. I love watching you play are the best five words research shows the most impactful five words that you should say to your son or daughter after a sporting experience. They just went through two hours of emotional highs and lows, physical highs and lows, psychological highs and lows. They don't need another coach on the drive home. So let's be honest. I totally remember this, that it's almost like they say, they ask it, is it a drive home or is it a prison? Because you're encapsulated, you are captured sitting in that seat with your mom or dad driving home for 30 minutes, and all you do is get beaten up even more when all they need to hear is, I love watching you play. That's it. It's so much more free. I didn't even think about that, too. That's just because, you know, it's crazy because I... As you know, I'm the co I've coached my son's team where we've had undefeated seasons. 
And I've coached my son where we've had losing seasons. And I'm going to be very honest with you. The best compliment I've ever had as a coach was this past season, as we had all brand new kids on the football team. And I had parents coming up to me and saying, I want you as my coach next year. I want you as my coach next year. And obviously I learned a lot from you and I learned a lot from, I've got to, got to follow Jeff because he's, you hear what, you hear the fire he's dropping. But to me, when you said winning, yeah, I see where it's 48 because at the end of the day, they're friends, they're brother, they're bringing that brother, they're building that brothership. My, my son is really, really close with a lot of the guys from his very first football team. And I just, and the same thing with my daughter, with her, her soccer team. And I have my little boy, Eli, who's an Eagles fan, by the way, which I failed as a parent, you know, he's now understanding and love it. I love to, I love to coach football because kind of the way I love to mentor and coach, you know, clients and, 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 and students and stuff. It's, it's that passion. It's that passion of like, holy shit. I get it. Holy shit. I understand. Holy shit. I wanted to quit and now I want to stick with it. That's why I love this. I, as I said, I hear it in the mentor world. I hear it in the coaching world. You just said it right now, parents, leaders, like they're, they're coaches. They're the same, same thing at the end of the day. You want to be a role model for your son. I want to be a role model for my family. So we have, we have everything that I'm saying about being like loving being a coach and the passion about it. But the thing about it that you just mentioned that like kind of struck, you know, just like light bulb was that. I see why you don't want to coach your kid in sports. I can understand it because there's that, obviously you, there's that bias. I mean, you're going to be biased with your kid. And here's the thing that I realized too. I'm harder on my son on sports as a coach than I feel like I am with the whole squad. Mm -hmm. Is that something common that you've seen as well? Um, yeah, of course you're gonna have you're gonna have a bias. I mean, I came. I, I don't know if we ever talked about this. But my mom was a Division one athlete. My mom is a Hall of Fame Division one athlete. Yes, you told me that. You and see. very successful high school coach. And I mean, I'm a mama's boy to this day. But it, it's still, you know, I still, I, I truly believe, I probably still have some 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 deep dark shadows of wanting to impress wanting to make my mom happy, you know, hearing from the silence, Jeff, do it this way. Jeff, you should have done that way. Da, 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 da. She was a fireball. But I, I think you're absolutely right is that here's the thing. What happens is let's, let's go back to your son is you've taught your son to respect authority. You've told your son, respect your authority, respect the teachers, respect the principals, respect, you know, the leaders, the coaches. Okay. So then they go and play sport and you're not the coach, they respect coach. And then you say something different. No, do it this way from the sidelines. So now there's an, an insane tug of war going on inside of his mind. He has to make a split second decision on the soccer ball. Do I listen to a coach and authority, which my father said I should, or do I listen to my dad, who is the most impactful individual in my life right now? And I'm going to let someone down. Oh. And so it's like, what do I do? And that's a nine-year-old. Well, he, I'm going to go on a little bit of a tangent. Please go. Shoot. I do this all the time. I want you to pretend, and I do this in front of hundreds of individuals. Let's say I work with an entire program, an entire athletic department. I want the, I listeners, I want the listeners to try this as well. So This, this is really good. I bring one individual out. I send them at half court, and at, let's say the basketball court. And I'll say, Amar, I, I tie you, I, I tie a blindfold around you, and I spin you around in circles. Okay, And I say to all the hundreds of individuals, all right, everybody, on the count of three, direct Amar to shoot this basketball into the hoop. 
three, two, one. Everyone, hundreds screaming, Amar, go this way. Take three steps that way. Turn around. No, you're going the wrong way. You just, and you hear all these things in your mind. And we're, typically after 45 seconds, what do you think that individual does? After 45 seconds, I mean, they're just going crazy. They're just like probably taking off the blind. crazy. They quit. They throw yeah. the ball. It's along the way. So let me ask you this. It's the same thing in sports. It's voices versus choices. Voices versus choices is they hear so many voices in their head from mom to dad to boyfriend to girlfriend to student section to opponents to refs to teammates to coaches. And they can only make one choice. And then you're talking about a nine to 12 year old who's trying to make that one choice. Let me ask you this. If I went to your work environment and I said, you're doing it wrong, Omar, you should do it this way. You're not doing it right. Stop doing it this way. Da, 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 da. What would you do after a few days of getting beaten oh down? Oh my God, I, I, would, I, would be, I would be upset. I would want to quit. I'd be looking for another job. And we're talking about teenagers. What do you, why do you think there's 75% that quit after 13? Exactly what you just said. They're, they're, not, they're, 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 being, they're not being coached up. And, you know, I, I saw like one of my favorite, like I've been seeing a lot of clips and you share a lot on social media, but it was recently with Brian Dable, the head coach of the Giants and the receiver the ball. I mean, the quarterback threw the ball right in the, right in the chest and he missed it. Just an easy, I mean, my kid could have caught it, you know, dropped it. What did he do? He went, the coach went up to the player that dropped it because he was, the, the player was really upset. Like, I mean, he was upset. He went over there, sat next to him, picked him up, picked him up and they kept throwing the ball to him. I like that to me is beautiful because number one, it's like, you know, I always say this, I mean, and I'm sure you do not one play will never dictate the game, you know, one play will never do that, but that athlete, right. And, and this is, this is something that, that I really, really think that can help a lot of people is that you have that athlete or you have that, that professional player who has been playing it, but they make it to the championship and they miss the winning shot or they throw the, they overthrow the receiver or they drop the receiver or they do a penalty, whatever it may be where they felt that they cost their team, the game, and then they don't want to play anymore. I've heard these stories. What is your advice to the people who, and I'm going to say the same thing with careers, the same, you know, because they, they go lateral with it. What is your advice to, to the, to the people who are struggling with this? Yeah. Great question. So I was on my, on my group call with my athletes just last night. And these are all different athletes all around the country. We talk about mindset, really break down mindset. And this was a 13 year old from Chicago called me up. He goes, or on the call, he goes, Hey, I missed the last two shots of the game and, and we didn't get to the championship. We lost to semifinals. And I was, it just bugged me all Monday. Okay. And I said, All right, his name is Landon. I said, Landon, you missed two shots. I mean, how, how many? So from catching the basketball to shooting the basketball is like what, maybe a second? Yeah. Okay. So we missed two of those. So, so two seconds total. How many minutes do you think you played of that game? Oh, well, I probably played about, you know, 30 of the, you know, whatever, 35 or whatever you said, 30 minutes. Okay. So you're allowing, you're thinking that two seconds is going to dictate your game or dictate your performance or even to dictate your identity or how you perceive yourself compared to the 29 seconds, 58 seconds prior to that. He said, like, well, I never thought of it this way. So talk to me about the 29 minutes and 58 seconds that you talked about. Well, I was a good leader and I was more vocal and this and that. So it's, it's a perception. It's a perception. And if you put that on a timeline of the 30 minutes, this little two seconds is the little splinter. And so it's, it's how do we interpret, how do we perceive it? But I think that also goes back to parents of 
really developing in them what's truly important. And that's hard because stats and results and accolades has been just beaten down our throats from society and culture that that's important. Is it? Or is that just a story we tell ourselves? Story we tell ourselves. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. So I could go into a lot more depth of that, but I, let's, I think it's just more the perception of what is that timeline? What are we doing for the majority of that timeline that really creates who we are as an individual, a teammate, an athlete, a leader, a captain, person, a father, daughter, whatever. Yeah. And yeah, that, that right there is powerful because I I've seen it. I've seen some good athletes just quit young kids because they dropped the pass in the end zone. Easy one, kind of similar to the playoff game that, that we just watched. But I also want to share something that a lot of people don't know about you, Jeff, before you even got into this role, right? This is, this is where I want everybody. This is like the most powerful thing probably in this call that I want everybody to understand is that Jeff three years, two years ago was working for Instacart making 10 to $15 an hour had no type of, I'm not going to say coaching experience because he does it with everything else, but he was, he didn't, he didn't know what he was doing at. So he wanted to make some money. He worked for Instacart and one and a half, two years later, he is this amazing, you know, mental performance coach, coaching thousands and thousands of people making, you know, obviously really good money over six figures plus, but you started making $15 an hour and stuck through it. And you had some hard times that you shared with me. You lost some clients, you gained some clients, you lost some clients, but you start off with a job of $15 an hour. And here you are now. What can you tell somebody right now, Jeff, who is struggling with their passion that wants to do live their dream, wants to coach, wants to do their dream life, wants to just follow their freaking passion, but they're right now, just like I, I, I'm right now working for Instacart. I'm working for Uber right now. Like I, I just, I need to make the money right now. I can't focus on, on this yet, but you freaking did. So what's your advice to them? Two words, consistency and discipline. I would say this. I I strategically chose Instacart because I could choose my hours. I strategically chose Instacart because let's say I had two clients and the two times, the, the two hours of that week that I had to go back to this office and sit down and have those, I would do that. And I could go back out and work. But the it's the consistency. I'll, I'll start over. It's the discipline to make the right choices, be strategic with your time. We all get 24 hours a day, 168 hours a week. What are you doing with that? How are you utilizing that? I'll go back to quotes. This was this was actually right around COVID. And I heard this quote on a podcast and it's always stuck with me, especially during that COVID time, was the more discipline, the more successful you are, the more disciplined you have to be. If you want to be more successful in anything you want in your life, you have to be more disciplined. Because we're not going to get more hours in a day. We're not going to have less busyness on our plate. You have to be more structured, disciplined, consistent with what you want to do and how you want to do it. But so many people, they give in to the next shiny object. And so it's the consistency of, I know this is what I want. This is this is my path. This is my, again, set that GPS. This is my destination. And I believe in myself. And no one is going to alter me. No one is going to detour me off that path and other than myself. And so I had to show up with extreme discipline, intentionality. I actually think I heard this so many times was, oh, I'm sleeping in a little bit later. I'm sleeping in 30 minutes later. I'm sleeping in an hour later. Every week of COVID, 
I set my alarm clock five minutes earlier. And so as everyone else was waking up, let's say 30 minutes later, every, every, I, I would start, you know, reading five minutes more, meditating five minutes more, working on my craft five minutes more, scheduling out my day five minutes more. And so over a month, that's 20 more minutes. Over two months, that's 40 more minutes. I'm waking up earlier than everybody else. All my competition, I'm going to be more disciplined. And here's the thing. I know that I'm not the smartest individual, the smartest mental performance coach. Guess what? I'm going to outwork you 100% of the time with more discipline, more intentionality in what I do. It's not a sniper rifle. I mean, it's not a shotgun approach. It's a sniper rifle approach. I'm going for the kill. Yes. Yes. I love that. I love that. I love that, man. You, you're fucking, I love your analogies and quotes because I guess the way I heard it is discipline consistency. It's like right now, if I want to work out and get that six pack, I have to be consistent and disciplined, wake up every day, work out, do what I need to do to get it. It's the same thing in anything that you want in life. Dis I, I actually say this all the time. I didn't even a podcast episode about it where discipline and consistency are the two secrets to success. Everybody asks me, you know, I coach thousands of people and they come up to me and say, Amar, what's the secret sauce? What's the secret sauce? I'm like, yeah, you want to know what the secret sauce is? It's work hard, consistency, and discipline. You getting up five minutes early. You did not want to wake up five minutes early. We all know that you don't want to work up five minutes early, but you chose to do that. And now, years later, making $15 an hour as an Instacart and you know working for Instacart. And now here you are teaching the youth thousands and thousands and helping also the professionals. So as we wrap this up, Jeff, Please, please, first off, what is your favorite coaching quote of all time? I know you got a lot of them. I have, I have a lot of them. Well, just whatever um, one. I shouldn't say favorite, like top ones, I should say. This you know? is probably the top one I always use is to get things you never had, you have to do things you've never done. Say it again. To get things you never had, you have to do things you've never done. Love it. Love it. Love it. Jeff. Where can people find you? How can they get connected to you? As I said, I strongly, strongly urge anybody with just sports or with parents or concerns, reach out to Jeff Becker because myself as a mentor working with Rob Dial and Dean and I have all the people, I reach out to Jeff when I have stuff like this because he, it's his genius zone. So where can they connect with you? And do you have anything coming up that we can, you know, let them, let the audience know about it? Side note, it was really funny. I remember Rob actually reached out to me when I first started and said, hey, how do I start working with a rep with athletes? And, and I remember telling you, I'm like, the fuck is Rob asking me about this? <laughs> even you were like, this is your zone of genius. This is, you are the authority. You're the person in this space. But anyways, you can find me. I have my own podcast called The Champion's Life. Shout out to Amar to help me with that name. That was like over a year ago. But The Champion's Life is a podcast. that talk about all the mindset, all the tips and strategies of what I teach teams and athletes and how we utilize that and our own champion, find our own champion. All of social media platforms is at Coach Jeff Becker, coachjeffbecker.com. A lot of it, again, because we all have an athlete. We all have an inner mindset, an inner competitive mindset about us. We just have to unlock that potential. And, you know, we, we all played sports at some time. So it's, it's unlocking that mindset and that competitive athlete again. Coming up for me, honestly, I just want to be a great dad. I want to stay the course. I want to do what I do really, really well. And I want to be the best role model to him. And I do that by consistency and discipline and showing up every day and bringing the energy, bringing the juice, bringing the passion. And my job is just to impact and serve, you know, and, and I know that the rest will come to me. And those, those are the two words I've been living by so far this year is just impact and serve. Well, I can tell you right now, I know I give you a lot of grief and shit a lot of the times, man, but I, I am proud and I'm privileged to call you a brother and, and a good friend and really appreciate your crazy time because as right before we got on, he had his nice little boy, his brand new nine month boy who's who's adorable and he took time and 
Jeff, Jeff is just an amazing soul. So thank you so much, dude, for helping so many people out that are feeling this, that, that are dealing with these type of things. And check out his podcast. It's amazing. Full of quotes, full of, full of, definitely full of quotes and just full of amazing fire and knowledge. So Jeff, thank you again, brother, for taking your time and hopping on the Leaders Life podcast. Hate you and love you all at the same time. <laughs> I'll see you in a few weeks. I'll see you in a few yes, weeks. Yes, sir. I'll see you in a few weeks. And that's that. Thank you so much for showing up and listening. Please click on that subscribe button so you never, ever miss out. And share this with your family, friends, and tribes. And if you think this is valuable information, tag me at Leaders Life Podcast. You all freaking rock. Remember, why not you? Why not now? Hope you all have an amazing, amazing rest of your day.